Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste. Everybody, it is Wednesday, November the 18th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hey. Mr. Bob Ryer. He's back. And on the line with Ms. Stephanie Cook. I'm sort of alive. <laughs> so, this is the, the first time the All Force have recorded in, I don't know, two months, probably. No. It's, it's a long time. It's been it's a while. Been a while. It's been two months. Like, it's, one of us has been gone more or less for, like, a little bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I even missed a show. Yes, you <laughs> <Yeah>. did. <laughs> What's up with that, man? I know. Well, this is the first week we're allowing Stephanie back. Her suspension is over now. <laughs> yeah. That time I changed all the posts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. How you feeling, Steph? Sick. But, Sick. I mean, I... I, um, I, I basically slept for all of last week uh, and like fallout came in everyone's like oh are you just like taking time off work for fallout and i was like no i didn't have it like i'm just sleeping <laughs> um but then i had to go get like a doctor's note because i missed like a ton of work and while i was out um i picked up fallout for it <laughs> um it's been a it's been a ride <laughs> um i stayed up until 5 a.m. on Sunday night and Monday night. Not Monday night, sorry. Saturday night and Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, which probably didn't help me on my recovery. I would say no. Um, I mean, I did sure. sleep for an adequate amount of time after that. Like, I slept till 4 on Monday. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I've put in, like, for, like, the amount of time I've owned that game, I've put in a sad, sad, sad number of hours already. And you didn't even have it when you were staying home sick, which would have been yeah. perfect to be quite I know. I, I, I was home from Tuesday to Saturday. Like like my normal work week is like Tuesday to Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so I picked it up on fr- Thursday or Friday. Um, and then I started playing on like Friday, Saturday. And I've already put like almost like two days into it. <laughs> That's a lot like of two time. full days. Like, like I'm at like something like 36 hours. Mm-hmm. And you're at like one sixteenth completion. <laughs> I know. I wow. I'm at level like twenty seven for my character though. Mm. The level what's a fifty forty something like that. That's a level cap. Level cap is not that high, but there's a lot to do. I don't know. I I don't think the level cap's that low because like really? there's still a lot of stuff. Like I've only unlocked the first tier of, um, perks. like the first tier of extra stuff you can get. Like the um the perks. perks. Yeah. yeah. So, like, there has to be way more than that because I've got nothing. <laughs> and there's, like, ten levels of perks. Yeah. You don't have to go in order, though. Yeah, I know. But, like, I've unlocked nothing. Gotcha. 
<laughs> well, you you have to you have to unlock them yourself. They don't just unlock. Well, I know that, Bobby. Come on, Stephanie. Although you have to like, it's weird though, because unlike the last Fallout, like you would just pick one and it was like one and done. But now you have to like level those up too. Like you need yeah. two or three. Yeah. For those, which is kind of dumb. Yeah. There, there, there's some stuff. There's they put in. They make you put a lot of reward points, like level up points, into hmm. the perks. Yes, they do. Is this that game, the TV commercial, some guy walking through a deserted town yes. whistling yes. old songs or yes. whatever? Okay, yes. yeah, that looks very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I have it tuned to like the classic radio, and all the songs like revolve around like Cold War, nuclear disaster, but they're all old classic songs by like Cole Porter and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the soundtrack is very much one of the highlights. Yeah, of those games. Uh, uh, seventy-seven points. Seventy-seven <laughs> levels. Seventy-seven perk points to distribute throughout the. Oh, but game. can you? I guess you could. How you, many levels? Yeah, just say like, a level cap. Uh, I'll keep looking. Look for the level cap. Um, the idea of the Fallout universe is that uh, when we kind of won World War II with the nuclear bombs, it sort of kickstarted this kind of nuclear age where everything was powered by mm-hmm. by nuclear power, and we advanced very far. But the and it was like a perfect idyllic world. But the culture, even though it had robots nice. and stuff like that, very much stayed very fifties and sixties ish. So it's it's this weird like there are flying robots, but people look and talk like they're from the 1960s, yeah. like that kind of thing. Um, but it was like 2050 or something when the well, bombs went off. But it, but so that's brilliant. That's 50 science fiction movies, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. That's the way. Yeah, you know, the, the bombs have fallen. Stuff's going on. Mm-hmm. We're way advanced, except they're acting like you know it's the McCarthy era. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it's like. It's exactly what it's, it's like. so addicting. Like <laughs> I'm like. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to read. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to like be productive. I'm just going to do this one more mission. And then I'm like, oh, well, I can't leave it on this. I have to go drop this off. And then I'm like, I'm just going to do that. And then I'm like, okay, well, now I need to quickly talk to Preston. Like, I need to like <laughs> drop like my power armor off anyways before I shut this off. So like, I'll just do that and then clear my missions with Preston. And then I'm like, holy shit, 4 a.m. <laughs> like, what? It was 10 p.m. like two minutes ago. Um, that's what those games do yeah and um yesterday i finally actually did manage to shut it off and um i was like i'm gonna go be productive god damn it (laughs) and um i i cleaned out my storage like unit and like got rid of like three giant boxes of stuff i was like take that fallout um (laughs) but before fallout 4 came into my life with illness (laughs) i read like an entire 450 page book in like a day Mm -hmm. and like finished watching all of like Garfunkel and Oates. I watched another like entire series. I was like, wow, I'm really checking things off my list. And then I'm like, Fallout 4 happened. <laughs> goodbye, <laughs> NaNoWriMo book. Um, goodbye, everything I was doing. Um, None of those things are things in actual life, though, Stephanie. <laughs> well, they're things in my life. <laughs> I meant like, re- I meant like nonfiction. Like, well, I went on a date. Oh, that's, uh, see, there you go. Do you want an update on the level cap? Until Fallout 4 came out. Yeah. What's the... There is yeah. no level There is no level cap. Oh, yeah, that's right. There is no level cap. It just keeps going up. But after a certain point, you don't get any perk points. So I guess 77 is like... Yeah. 77 is the level cap, I guess. Yeah. All right. Good yeah. to know. Yes. Right. Thank you. So a little preview. Do tune in to Talking Games <laughs> on Thursday. Yeah, you'll hear we, more. we rambled about Fallout 4 for so long on Misfits, too. Yeah, Melissa's uh, playing it, too. We, we may have given Talking Games a bit of... Uh, a run for their money this week with all of our talk about games and extra life and all that. I saw Melissa was very excited that she beat the uh, 
the death claw on the first try. Yeah, I was so angry. That took me so long. It took me a while too. <laughs> the thing that's I, at the very beginning. I, she's like, you had to go get like the power suit, and I'm like, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big guy comes out of the ground Thanks. at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I beat died him. Yeah, we so beat him too. But Mrs. Okay. Mrs. beat him in one try. I died like four or five. No, times. I beat him in the first try too. Well, you guys are just special, aren't you? Yeah. I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> yeah, no. Ah, oh, well, well then. <laughs> I died so many times, and then he finally glitched in. Um, he accidentally got stuck underneath <laughs> the cement, mm -hmm. and I just sat there shooting at him. I'm like, la 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 la, <laughs> like sucker, take this. Oh, okay. Do you, do you want to swipe at me? Now you can. Like. <laughs> So good um and i wasn't even as i said on misfits on a lot of cold meds i wasn't uh difficulty leveled level teed i my difficult make, level teed wasn't it up. didn't make sense yeah <laughs> he was like that's that's great that's a great stepism it's like i don't even know what i, I mean i know what i was trying to say but i don't even know how i got to what i said mm. what what no moving on uh, <laughs> Are you talking about Fallout 4, Poppy? Uh, no, this isn't a Fallout 4 podcast. You have to listen to either the Misfits or Talking Games <laughs> to hear more about that. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of games to talk about because there are. But there's comics there, in Fallout 4. Th there are comics. That's true. Yeah. One of the first things you see is a comic book. Actually, I played a ton of stuff while I was away. There's like, a lot of different stuff. To play. stuff. Uh, yeah, um, they'll, I'll have some stuff to talk about on this week's show. For yeah, sure. um, I've been playing Tomb Raider. Yes, oh, I've been yeah. playing Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider is pretty awesome. Yes, it is. Um, I got Battlefront. How is it? I only played. I I, I got it last. Like I downloaded at midnight or whatever. I played for like a half an hour and then went to bed. So, mm -hmm. um, it was fun. What I, what I played and I I, I hopefully as we speak, Mara's playing it right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um obviously, <laughs> always and forever. Hello. <laughs> She'll be playing that game, but it's fun. Uh, you know, it seems like there's some cool stuff. The they're all like you know laser blasters. So yeah. there's no recoil. And there's no ammo, so uh, they overheat, so you can't just fire, oh. fire, 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 fire as much as you want. But they're lucky. It, it it seems like it's going to be good for people who are a little bit more casual about it. Mm -hmm. Um, like you, we won't be great at it, but it seems like you could still have fun at it, just kind of casually going in and out of matches and stuff like that. I'm uh, so excited for Tomb Raider. Tomb is really good. It's so. Good. I had to make a choice between Tomb Raider and Fallout 4, and mm. I figured Tomb Raider would get cheaper sooner than it's probably true because it didn't sell very well at all because really? of the exact reason what seven you just yeah. said which is that everybody bought fallout that's a real shame because uh, tomb raider is amazing it is it's really really great i really wanted to play it but like again i was sick last week so i was like what am i gonna get the most out of here yes that makes sense that's a good so. point all right so let's move on let's talk about some uh some comic books huh sure huh what huh stephanie you're gonna go first Oh, I was going to say, let me go last because I'm piggybacking on everyone else's That's true you are, but do you really want to follow Bob? That's true. I don't really have a lot to talk about besides stuff that everyone else is talking about, though. Okay, so okay, then we will have you go last time. That's a good, good point. Good point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, Steve. Hey. You'll go first. <laughs> really? Sorry, Steve. It's all right. Throw okay. me under the bus. Yeah, no. He's, got his, he's done this a couple times. All right, you have three minutes and go. So after Bobby was talking about Invincible Iron Man numbers uh, one, two, and did you talk about the third one as well? Yes. Okay. Uh, I went out to the store and I found them, and it's excellent. Mm. It's excellent. Um, you've already talked about the story, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna repeat what you said, but um, it's the first Iron Man thing that I've read that has interested me, and David Marquez is just on top of his game in this book, like watching him, watching the evolution of his style. And he's done a bunch of stuff, but I really paid attention to him when he did uh, his 
Miles Morales Spider-Man mm-hmm. stuff. This is even better than that. Madam Mask looks phenomenal. Yeah. So um, super interested to see where it goes, and um, just liking it all around. It was uh, it really really surprised me. Uh, the other book that I wanted to talk about real quick is All New Wolverine number one. Um, there is a mystery afoot, and the only uh, person that can deal with it is X twenty three, who's now uh, donning the Wolverine gear, and for damn good reason. Because rather than tell you more of the story, I'll just tell you this. She is the character that is worthy of taking up the mantle, and that is more than obvious if you read this. She is tremendously uh, fierce and fearless. She just throws herself. She's almost like a like a, like a rag doll that just she knows that she'll come back. So she's constantly trudging into danger for herself and for the sake of others. And I just I like the honor in that, and I think that it's it's a really um, nice like if Logan's not going to be around as the young wolverine it's a really good choice and there was some really touching stuff with um with logan and um was it laurie laura laura Mm. um there's like this whole section of him kind of mentoring her in a way after one of their their battles and whatnot and um just some really cool you know character building stuff if people weren't familiar with her you get enough information about her backstory that you can walk into this com- or walk out of it comfortably knowing who she is and whatnot and uh really quick the other book i wanted to talk about is uh the goddamned number one uh it's image comics from jason aaron and rm guerra on art um if you want to check out more thoughts, I wrote a review for it on the website. But um, this is essentially uh, the story of, or a story, of Cain and Abel. And Cain has woken up in a pool of excrement and he's out for revenge. It's very much a, um, like, on, a, on, a, on a, bib- a mission of biblical proportions with lots of blood and guts. And there's a whole section of the book that's just a battle kind of setting up everything that's to come. And a villain reveal at the end that's just ridiculously clever. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. If you want to hear more, just go to the site. All right. Try to mm. pump pump up that, uh, that dot com, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I read The Goddamned as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed it. It is very brutal. Yeah. Uh, and the violence is satirically over the top, I think, in some ways. Like, it's meant to... It's gross in that way that I, I don't I can't imagine it's meant to be taken no. seriously, right? No. It's just a little too over the top. The expression, stuff like that. Um, the whole thing is over the top. Oh yeah, it's very over the top. Yeah, um, it, it's cool. I I don't know if I connected, you know, with any of the characters or story beats enough to br- to bring me into like a monthly buying of the book. Mm-hmm. It's something I'd want to check out. Uh, collected just because I like Jason Aaron so much, yeah. but the one issue in it just doesn't make me want to push on. Yeah, no, I mean there was no, there was no like identifying with anybody, right? It was no, just kind of like man, this guy is really pissed. Yes, and yes. watching, I just I like the, um, you know, Jason Aaron has this kind of like this gravitas to to stuff that he's writing. Or lately, um, I'm not familiar with his whole career, but with the Thor stuff. And everything he brings a lot of that to this, I think, in setting up this kind of um, like vengeance or revenge tale, and pulling from stuff like the Bible. There's just there's so much room to play with that, you know. And it kind of goes in the face of a couple of things too, which I thought was interesting. I won't say what specifically because I want <laughs> people to read it. 
But um, it's not. It's one of those books that isn't going to be for everybody. There's even a few people that I think would take offense to it. Mm. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It was kind of just one of these things where I just liked watching this guy, you know, kick the door and walk into town and just, just fuck everybody up. Yeah, it's no. it's very clever. Yeah. Did he do Southern Bastards also? Yes. Yes. Okay, so this is a cross between Thor and Southern Bastards <laughs> yeah. at some level. Yeah. Sure. It's Why mythology not? with revenge and blood yeah. and guts and a guy kicking butt. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. No, there's no, there's nothing like nothing Thor like <laughs> in this book at all. Like if you're it's mythology, still no. Okay. <laughs> the treatment is totally is totally okay. different. But it's it it was very interesting. I just don't know if I would read another. I like it, I like it when known figures are played with. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 That's a cool and thing. Change to make like a cool story mm-hmm. and pulling from from Cain and Abel and turning it into this. It was just like whoa, like this is. I didn't know what it was before yeah. I opened it, and I'm like, "Wow, okay." And I saw like the early buzz on it on Twitter and stuff like that. Like, "Oh, you know, the goddamn number one." I'm like, "All right, I bought it. Let's check it out." And uh, I don't know. It's just uh, it's a mind journey, man. The world is very dirty. It's disgusting. It's very. Dis- it's disgusting. Could you imagine like the diseases when he cuts those people? That if they didn't die, mm-hmm. what would like, manifest inside the wounds? It reminded me a little <laughs> bit of. Um... <laughs> Apocalypto. I've never seen that. Oh, really? And I've never seen okay. The Passion of the Christ either. Well, one of those movies is very good. That movie is Apocalypto. The other one is not. So we don't have to worry about doing the other one. But Apocalypto is very good. And just like the nature of the violence and stuff in this reminded me of of that. Yeah. Uh, and Stephanie, you had read All New Wolverine, correct? Yeah. Uh, what did you uh, think of it? I actually was going to use it as my book of the week, but something else kind of came along, which I will obviously talk about. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I, I've read a little bit of uh, Marjorie Liu's uh, X-23, and I enjoyed that thoroughly. But I thought that this was a cool way to introduce the character in a more mainstream way. Um, I really do feel like Marvel is now trolling us with these all-new titles. <laughs> um, but... That aside, I really enjoyed this issue. Um, I liked the art. I liked the colors uh, by Nathan Fairbairn. Um, And the story was just really good. Um, So as Steve mentioned, there's like a couple really heartfelt moments. And that was like the thing that I was kind of just reading it at like 1.30 a.m. last night. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. I have to be up in five hours. Um, And uh, I was like sort of skimming it. And then I found myself like, smiling and just being like kind of overjoyed at this one panel where um like obviously um x-23 and wolverine they have healing abilities but like uh laura gets kind of knocked on her ass and she winds up in like a daze and in her daze wolverine is there with her like you said he's mentoring her and kind of giving her a little pep talk and she's going over all of this stuff that she didn't do. And Wolverine is like, don't worry about it. Don't sweat it, kid. Like, I'm not, I'm I'm proud of you for being the person you are and not the person that they wanted you to be in all this stuff. And like, I was just like, whoa, this is like surprisingly heavy and like really sweet. Um, there was these really well-written moments between them, even though he's just a figment of her imagination at this point. Um, and I was just kind of like, not overwhelmed, but just like more overjoyed at this like really um, nice connection that I felt with the issue um, on an emotional level there. And it was beautiful, actually. So um, that aside, 
it still has like a lot of humor in it. And my only like small nitpick on this, it's a really great first issue, but like I wish that they had ended the like the story two pages earlier on like the reveal of the villain. And then I was like, Ooh, snap. But then it continued and I was like, oh, okay. And then it was like, oh, well, this is slightly less interesting to end things on. But it's still cool, but you should have left it earlier. <laughs> Well, they gotta charge. Um, they gotta get that four ninety nine in there. Stephanie, yeah, they gotta charge I, you. I realize, like you know, they're trying to give you the, the page count, but I was like, I don't care about anything after this reveal. Um, you've lost me. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed um, uh, Laura and um, Angel's um, interactions too. They were really cute, and um, I loved how awkward and weird he was around her, and kind of just like. This typical girls. Um, it was sweet. I like I how I like that they're keeping that going from the uh, all new X Men uh, mm-hmm. stuff because they they had a connection in all new X Men. I mean, I dropped all new X Men after Battle of the Atom right. Shenanigans, but right. um, I didn't know that that was a thing. But they do make it pretty clear right off the bat that that is something that's going on, and it was. Um, I I didn't feel like it was hokey or too much. It felt. Um, like the kind of relationship that you might be able to sustain when you're a superhero, right? <laughs> um, like the sort of awkward, "Hey, girl, I just saved you." <laughs> like, I'm happy you're not dead. Can we hug? No. <laughs> Is this teenage Warren? Uh, yes, it's okay. all new X Men Warren. So okay. yes, it's it's yeah. so confusing. And like, I have a friend in Denver who's named Laura Kinney, and like every time I see her name, I'm like. Laura Keeney, <laughs> or Laura, her name's Laura Keeney, and this is Laura Keeney, and I'm like, but I always, I'm like, oh, you're Wolverine now, Laura. <laughs> like she's she's Wolverine to me now. Uh, this is Tom Taylor and David Lopez, right? That's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. He did a Justice League, the the web comment, the injustice. Thank you. <laughs> um, I was like the video game, the thing, the tight end, <laughs> the one on the internet. Yes. On comicsology. Yes. All yeah, those words. Did, um... What was that? That Iron Man series. Uh, the Superior, Superior Iron Man. Man. And he also did uh, Earth 2 for a little while as well. But yeah. Ah. yeah. Uh, he is good. He's a very good very good writer. So, uh, cool. Awesome. Uh, Bob, oh. you, ready? Uh, you ready? Sure. Let me th- put this three minutes on the clock here and go. Starting out, it's Starfire number six by Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Emanuela Lupacino. And it's another step forward for this series. A bounty hunter who wants to bring her back to her home planet tests Corey's resolve to be a better person. So there's much heart and humor as there has been through the series, but there is still, sadly, a panel or two and one very bad joke that keeps this from being just a fabulous, great all-ages book, which I believe would suit this much better and give it a wider audience for its many positive messages. Speaking of positive messages, gotta love a segue, right? (laughs) Uh, Ms. Marguerite Bennett has turned a variant cover gimmick into an empowering series of just myriad charms, and that's DC Comics bombshells. Now, this is the fourth print issue, and there are three chapters here, each in their own way, a standout. The first has art by Bilqui Evely, who did Shaft, and Supergirl and Stargirl, who are the heroes of the Russian motherland, and they uncover a very dark secret about their mission. The second unleashes this universe's Dr. Harleen Quinzel, who's every bit our Harley, quote is, most girls never concuss on the first date, which is, that's just a nice sentiment, I think. Uh, nice art by Mirka Andalfo in that one. And the finale features art by Laura Braga and revolves around Wonder Woman's arrival into the European theater of war. 
And through Diana's words, actions, Ms. Bennett really shows she has a great grasp on the character, her philosophy, her history, and she should be doing a Wonder Woman book somewhere down the road, I would like to say. Okay, just as with the last series, Spider-Gwen 2 was for me a much more satisfying read than the first. Uh, deeper explanation of what Gwen's world is like, a fascinating introduction to a new yet familiar character that I want to read more about, and in general, the connections between the various threads seem stronger, more involving. So I guess I should stop worrying about this book every time a first issue comes out. It's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and because the last time I ended up really loving it, even though we all said oh, we liked Silk more, uh, Spider-Gwen 2 was pretty darn good. All right. Tis it. All right. Stephanie, you, Spider-Gwen, read that yeah. as well. Those are yes. the, word, the right words in the wrong order. So tell me what you thought. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. My cold medicine mind was like, yes, English. Good. I know what this means. Um, I, I really liked this. I think that this um, new relaunch of Spider-Gwen, Radioactive Spider-Gwen, mm -hmm. um, is doing a much better job um, telling the story than the first volume did. Um, this is a lot of fun. Um, I'm missing a lot of like the Mary Jane stuff, but I kind of wish that there was just a separate, um, the Mary Jane's comic yeah. happening. I mean, I feel like that would, you know, like fall into sort of black, what's going on with black Canary right now. But I, um, that stuff was just so much fun and so interesting. And I like that dynamic and I kind of miss, um, seeing that more, but I, um, that being said, love where they're going in this half or in this portion and what they're uncovering with the very um, cryptic stuff that they had, um, alluded to with Peter. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a lot better for villains and it's more interesting. Um, the writing's still good. The art's still fantastic. Um, I, I'm just happy that it's going in a much better direction this time around. Uh, how was our new Captain America? Oh, we oh my God! It's been in every single promo for it. Oh, okay. See, guys, I don't see okay, those promos. I, I'm so glad you mentioned this because I seriously reread that one, that double page spread, like five times, and not because it didn't make sense, just because yeah. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how I forgot to mention this. Cold Med's brain. I loved it. <laughs> I loved. I patch Peggy Carter. I loved like everything to do with that. I, I'm like, okay, guys, easy on the gender bending. Like, every hero can't be a woman. Like, that's cool. I appreciate that you're pandering a little bit here to me, and I appreciate that Captain America is a badass babe. But like, all right, let's let's you know mix it up. And still Sam Wilson. But, as long as they're doing spoilers, she's still yeah, Sam Wilson. Yeah, yeah. It was really cool. Awesome. Did, With you, her own, did you like it? Oh, I loved it. It's it her own different sort of reason why she's gone for years and years and years. Into I, Arnim Zola and it, it's just, yeah. it's the twisted version of Marvel history and it really works. I, my only like small thing with that too. Oh, what was I even going to say? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I had a small thing, but um, I thought that it was like, oh, again, like the quippiness. Like I get that they're trying to do like the same sort of thing they're like let's turn Gwen into Peter Parker but like getting bitten by a radioactive spider doesn't make you quippy you're either quippy or you're not but I kind of feel like they're trying too hard to make her banter when she's fighting like Peter Parker that's like my only small thing maybe this Gwen is really quippy Stephanie 
She's not the Maybe, Gwen from our, from but our, like, yeah, from the I just want them to have their own kind of personalities. And I feel like aside from when he's trying to make her like Spider-Man, um, he does a really good job of that. Mm. Right. And it's it's not like a bad thing. Like it's just like there's these moments when it makes me think too much. Like I'm like, okay, she's Spider Woman, but it doesn't mean that you need to take on all the personality traits from Spider Man. Like Gwen is her own character. She's not Peter Parker. It's true. So that's like my only like small thing. And again, it's small and it's still funny and enjoyable. But like I just wish that um he would make the character more defined like she's not gender bent peter parker she's gwen stacy mm-hmm. that's all all right cool um all right i guess it's my turn i guess yeah. it's my turn all right so i'm putting three minutes on the clock and here we go uh batman 46 uh greg capullo scott snyder Really, this is probably my favorite issue so far of the uh, super heavy storyline, the, the the Jim Gordon as Batman stuff. Uh, it begins right out of the gate with our, the first time really we've seen our villain completely chains off. And he is, a, at least I think it's a he. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Um, we don't know. Mm. Uh, they, they certainly, they call him Mr. Bloom, so I'm assuming that he is. Uh, but he does some really really nasty stuff and the sort of plant-based sort of violence and stuff like that and the way he's able to extend his limbs and stuff like that is really scary and it's depicted really well by by Greg Capullo and I really am enjoying Jim's journey as Batman and the way that he is kind of coming into his own but also fighting the same starting to fight the same battles and the same the same issues that Bruce himself would come up against as Batman. And also I think he's done a really great job of all the Bruce stuff and, and what's going on with that. Cause I think it's working really, really well. And I was, it was the one part I was wary of at the beginning cause I thought it might be too much in the mix, but it's going really, really well. And I just really, really loved it. Um, the other book I want to talk about is all new, all different Avengers. Number one, this is uh Mark Wade, Adam Kubert and uh, Mahmoud Asrar. Uh, who does the backup on the uh, on the book? Um, it's a four. I think it was another four ninety nine book. If not five ninety nine, it's four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, you get a lot of pages for for your for your money, but I do feel like there's not a lot going on in in, in the book. Um, I, I I give it a I give it a big thumbs up for tone, but I give it a a, a thumbs down for plot and uh, forward motion. There there just isn't a lot there. Um, you know, I liked this idea. I, I like the backup, and I, should, I love the art in the backup as well. Of uh, you know, um, Kamala and Sam, who's Nova, uh, and they're they're meeting. And I liked the way that sort of Miles enters the fray in the in the main issue, but I just felt like it it was a lot of it was a lot of chatter and not a lot of progression and i so i I don't know where i I would like after a first issue i would like to know where a book is going like what's the road it's on and i can't tell here there isn't even a big like let's put a team together type of feeling from it uh and that was disappointing to me because i thought there would at least be that um yeah so it's disappointing i'm gonna keep reading it because how much i love mark wade but you know it was it was not a very impressive debut to me. And just really quickly, I read, uh, there's a big JSA sale going on right now on Comixology. Oh, really? So I read JSA number one from 2007, which is Jeff Johns and Dale Eaglesham. Uh, Jay Garrick and Alan Scott putting the Justice Society back together. Uh, a lot of fun. Really good. Um, I want to read more, definitely. 
Now, okay, that one, they did so many series. There's Justice Society, JSA. I get confused. Is yes. this the one where Courtney? She's already part of it. So okay. I, I didn't know because I didn't look at all the dates. I was just going through Comixology and they had all these sections. And they have a ton on sale. I think they, they have basically the entire Jeff Johns era on sale from even when he started when he was co-writing with Goyer when it mm-hmm. that was the first return of the the yes. J- J- JSA so that was just called JSA um and then this is called Just Society of America okay so, so this is after World War 3 has happened and and sort of it's the there's only Ted Grant uh Alan Scott and um Jay Garrick of the original members left, and they're sort of going up to legacy members. So there's like uh, the original Red Tornado, her Ma like, Hinkle, Ma Hinkle, her granddaughter is yes. is joining up, and um, this different star man who's kind of insane and stuff like that. And then, but there's also like you know Star Girl and a couple of people already part of the team, uh, okay. but they're just sort of like the newer members of it. Right. It's the it's the series that starts just after those minis. Yes, that Stephanie was running. Is that this one? Yes, I think okay. so. Yeah, yeah. Because like she's introduced and she's in the first issue, but not fully no integrated. Yeah, yet. yeah. yeah. but okay. she's definitely already Star Girl because like yes. she's in the meetings and stuff like that in in and out. Uh, and there's sort of seems like sort of like a uh, a murder mystery going on in the background. This one character who's Mister America, Mr. like terrific. Mister no no Mister Mr. America Mister America. I think it's Mister America who's like family gets killed. Oh yeah, okay. And, yes. and he's he he. The, the, she ends with him crashing through the mansion of the JSA, mm-hmm. basically being like you know th- people are somebody's trying to kill you or whatever. So that's it's a lot of fun. All those series were yeah. done very very well. You'll eventually get into a whole Kingdom Come sequel where you see the Earth Two Superman right turn up. There was a, in the back of the issue. There was like a this is what's yeah. to come. And one of the panels was uh, Alex Ross Superman. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I want to go back. I think uh, read the. I would want to read the John's run that was before this. Mm-hmm. The John's which started as John's Goyer and then was just Jeff Johns uh, because. There's obviously stuff I don't know what's going on here, but it was a lot of fun, and the art is great. The Daily Ghost yeah. art is beautiful. So it was cool. It was, yeah. it was a cool. Uh, all new, all different, yes. blah. Yeah. I, I was happier looking at the ads, like I got to see the art <laughs> for Red Wolf and Squadron Supreme and whatever. <laughs> Villain underwhelming. Mm. Who really cares at this point? He could grow into something, but there was no hook moving forward. There's a cliffhanger, so to speak. As you say, a lot of... I don't want to say slice of life sort of stuff, mm. but yeah, let's. Sam does this, and he'll chat with Tony, and we'll take some pictures with the kids, and uh, lighter tone like that, just as you're saying. But as a book, not for five bucks. I bought, in essence, I did love the backstory. Mm-hmm. That's not enough for five bucks anymore. Yeah, it was. That's that was the main issue, right? Is that I think if this was an issue three or four. I would yeah. have been happy with it. Nice little respite from what had come before. Exactly. Yeah. But as a first issue, it just did not like have a good punch out of the gate. And that was disappointing. Very disappointing. Steve, did you take a run? I did. And? I don't remember it. Uh, that's <laughs> so a good, go. That's a good and or bad I sign. I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I picked it up the Wednesday it came out. I read it that day. And if you asked me today, which you just did, I really, I thumbed through it just now. I barely remember mm. what I read. Um, I remember walking away from it being like, all right, but just not, there were other things that came out that day, um, mm. that actually like really did strike me as being like cool starts to something. This was not for, for a book that's been, you know, it's the, it's the all new, all different, it's mm. the Avengers book. Mm-hmm. 
um, and the pedigree that it's got on it, I just would have expected a little bit more of a of a blast off. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of like a like a, a soft like lobbing of of uh, getting a team together. And as much as I've been complaining about to myself, not to everybody, but um, <laughs> just you get into like with these new number ones coming out week after week after week, we're getting a lot of you know, let's get the team together and then give you very little of what's to come and just and just cap it off right there. Splash page at the end. Boom. See you next issue. Sometimes that's not enough. So I, I appreciate kind of the more slow burn approach to getting everybody together. I just didn't think it was exciting enough. And I'm very much a, a villain person. Um, I got zero mm-hmm. from their you know smoke and fire and sparks and then you know i will do this i'm like really like i don't i have no idea who you are guy <laughs> you know like it's pretty you, ugly you just got yeah. here so i, I don't know it, it could be it could be uh one of those things where you read it in a few issues and he turns out to be this horrible menacing thing that mm-hmm. they have to stop and you know over the course of time you become impressed with with just how imposing he can be but um I'm just not feeling it yet. I, I expected to have a little bit more fun with it. And the the interactions between Sam and Tony, I thought were kind of weird uh, at best. Like Sam asking, almost asking Iron Man for advice on how to handle the fame and the moments of him with like, the little girl with the, the scout, like the Girl Scout cookie thing. Can you loan me $5? I was like, really? This What's is... wrong with that? I, 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 I was bored. <laughs> I was bored. I don't know. I can't, I, I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> I it's one of those books that I'm, I'm willing to give a few issues before I, I walk away from it because of who it's coming from and you know it being the mainline Avengers book and stuff like that. I want to be there for what they do, but it I, I expected to walk away from it being like wow, like we got to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And like I said, here we are seven days later, and I have no idea. Right. So. All right. All right. Yeah. So Stephanie, we pretty much covered all your lightning round type books, right? Yes, All I right. believe so. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to quickly look at my list. Yep. at my list music? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The only other thing I've read is going to come up um, right. in this match. Yes, it's, a, it's one of the books of the week. Um, yeah. Oh. So since you didn't get to go lightning around, Stephanie, what, let's start out with you for your book of the week. Sure. Um, so um, my book is like technically a comic Technically not. Um, it's this book called um, 750 Years in Paris uh, from No Brow, no Brow Press. Um, hey, and it's hey. done by... Hmm? We, sorry, really quick. Um, oh, we, okay. we, got, we got a gift from, uh, from somebody uh, for the website and it came from No Brow Press. We were yeah. just discussing it for the first time. We never heard of them yeah. before tonight. And then you happened to bring them up. It's just... It was a weird coincidence. Weird. I've, I've, men- I've mentioned them a couple of times. Well, we don't actually. listen to you, Stephanie. Uh, yeah, yeah. We don't listen to you. Uh, they do. Um, they did Hilda, uh, the Hilda books by Luke Pearson. Like, oh um, right, yeah, you mentioned those. Uh, and they also did um, Jamie Coe's book. Um, that's the one. Art school. Yeah. Yep. That's the one that we got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, sorry, I might get noisy here for a second. My roommate's just coming home. But anyways, so uh, this book is. Vincent Maha, Mahi, Mahi, uh, 750 Years in Paris, again from No Brow. And um, it's it's really cool. Like it's um, basically uh, this really oversized book uh, that takes one building in Paris and um, it starts 
uh, in the year 1265. And it just shows you the evolution of this building over 750 years. So every single page is a new year. Um, and it just shows you like there's sometimes like wars going on and like little soldiers will be in front of the building or um, they're changing the architecture style in Paris and there's little construction building or like scaffolds around it. And, you know, based on kind of what's going on in the city at the time, um, how this building is affected. There's no words other than like the numbers on the left page um, and then the image on the right. And it's pretty simple in terms of like the color scheme. It's lots of oranges and yellows and browns and blues, but it's stunning. Like it's so amazing that this book has no words in it whatsoever, but it tells this history in just a single picture uh, every on every page. And so again, it starts at 1265 and then it goes on and, you know, it goes to like, I'm, I'm on like 1998 right now. Um, and yeah, it goes to like 2015 and, um, you know, what, what's going on now and how the architecture is completely and utterly changed and what kind of the world is all about, um, and then at the very back, it has the timeline and it shows, tells you about like um, what happened in each of these significant years in Paris. So it does like, you know, like it starts again at 1265, but then it's like 1270, the Knights Templar procession during the Crusades. Um, 1348, Black Death Plague decimates the population of Paris and all of these things, how they affect the look of Paris and the aesthetic. Hmm. Um, so it's not really your typical kind of book of the week comic, um, but it's this stunning graphic novel that is just completely worth looking at. Um, I, I don't know how long this took this um, creator to make, but it is so beautiful. And like, I didn't even know that Nobrow was sending me this. Um, and I got it in the mail last week when I was sick. I was like sitting on the couch and I was like, oh, there's a parcel for me. And then I was like, oh, what's this? And I just like sat here and like looked through and I'm like, this is really, really cool. Um, so I just really felt like I wanted to talk about it and bring it up because um, n not only is it, you know, interesting and tells a very um, obviously historically interesting story, but mm -hmm. it's just really cool and are all the uh all the pages and all the things that they go through it's all based in truth or yeah yeah wow. it's a history so awesome. again it's like 750 years and i mean obviously there isn't 750 pages it's not that big but it does like it'll go to like 1265 and then it goes to like 1270 1275 and then like it, it skips like one will be like 1320 1348 mm -hmm. 1360 and then it kind of jumps around based on um like it, it kind of focuses on years when changes things happened that affected the architecture and that sort of thing um but you know like tons of research had to have gone into this and um it's just really neat that sounds really cool cool uh what was the name of it again stephanie it's called 750 years in paris and um the author illustrator is named vincent uh mahe so it's m-a-h at 
with an accent aigu. All right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, all right. So, Steve. So, Bobby. Do you also have a uh, history book to talk about? <laughs> well, the group uh, the book is named after has had a bit of history throughout That was a good time. way to get at that. I'm happy, I'm happy that you gave me something out of that one. <laughs> I did. Oh, man, dude. I'm so there. <laughs> All right. What do we got? I got Illuminati number one Marvel Comics, of course. Joshua Williamson writing a Marvel book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Crystal on art. John Roch on colors. And VCs Joe Carmenia on letters. So... Like I mentioned earlier, uh, I like villains. I think they're fun. And one of the things that I've seen in the past year or two uh, between Nick Spencer's Superior Foes of Spider-Man and um, even something like The Movement, where the the people aren't particularly... They're heroes of the people, but the the powers that be see them as as the villains, where there's some really good villain stuff coming out. And uh, so Joshua Williamson has got his hands on this new book, Illuminati Number 1, and um, it starts off with the, uh, I guess, the, the villainous uh, Titania. She's the the wife of uh, Crusher Creel, the mm. absorbing man. And she's basically just tired of the lifestyle. And, and she's really just down and he's still stuck in jail. She's on, she's looking to get paroled and she's got like an ankle bracelet that goes off even if her temperature rises. Like they've really come down on her pretty damn hard. And she swears that once she's able to get Crusher out of jail, that they're going to go straight. He does not share her enthusiasm for this lifestyle. And um, there's even this one hysterical panel where he's kind of talking up this fantasy of them. Like, as soon as he gets out, they're going to, you know, they'll take the town by storm. And he's being all boisterous in this one panel. And he's like, it'll be like the good old days. And what he doesn't see is Thor's hammer about the clock and right upside yeah, the back yeah. of the head. Those were the good old days. They got beat up every, yeah. every other month. <laughs> so automatically it's funny. Like it's, it's got a, it's got a really humorous tone to it. And um, so Titania, she's leaving the prison. She's doing her stuff and she runs into She-Hulk and She-Hulk is like, you know, watching you. I, I don't, I, you know, your kind never goes straight for too long, blah, blah, blah. And Titania responds by talking to her about what it's like to be a villain and, and, and to be on the outside and not doing your normal shtick, but just even attempting to go straight how hard it is for people where every time you look them up on a job interview thing and you look them up on the internet, they have death and destruction next to the headlines in their names. It's like, you have no idea what it's like. So... She gets set up with like a Joe job working security for a pawn shop. It does not go well. And we'll just say that uh, af- shortly thereafter, she she gets an offer that uh, she can't refuse. And that's to be uh, a member of a newly formed Illuminati, which is a, a group of villains that uh, will do, you know, their dastardly do around the cities of the Marvel Universe. Now, what I really particularly liked uh, about this is this is essentially one of those like getting the band together type comics that I just mentioned before. But we spend so much time with Titania that this seems to be her book and, and her thing, even though she's with this group of people, that the way we're being introduced to this is to first become kind of sympathetic to the character 
and then we meet the team and then and then we find out like the reveal or the hook and then it's over like you know curtain see you next time the whole bit i like how it didn't try to cram meeting everybody in the team into mm-hmm. one issue for a number one issue it was like let's get you you know this is a cool character you're going to like her character you're going to listen to her story you're going to kind of feel bad for her a little bit even though she's still doing you know evil, has evil intent but you kind of like her cuz you can relate you know what it's like to to be broke for a little while or you lost your job or you know i was once out of work for 8 months because nobody nobody was hiring you know and um i took a i took a a job for one i lasted one night at a vitamin factory where i drove a forklift Wow. A forklift. I don't have a forklift license. You need a license for that thing. Mm-hmm. They put me on that, and I did fine. There was no accidents. There was no nothing. I I, I played enough video games that I can <laughs> you know I can manage a forklift. But like, I don't think that's how driving works. It does when you I see feel the way like just because you're good at Guitar Hero doesn't mean you can like be in a rock band. My sister once asked me. She's because I drive around my nieces, and mm. she's like, "You're a really good driver." She's like, "How did you learn to be a really good driver?" And I was like, "Honestly, I'm like." It's just the the road is a video game. She's like, wow, you are not making me comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's not outrun. When you see a pedestrian, sometimes you hit them, sometimes you decide to avoid them. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Depending little, on point. your wanted yeah. rating. A little burnout, a little Grand Theft Auto, yeah, catches yeah. through the traffic, you know. Yeah. But um, anyway, so uh, Illuminati is really cool. I absolutely love, love the art. Um, Sean Crystal does a... a wonderful job uh with the the penciling and the and the line work and the characters but particularly uh the colors from uh John Roch are just gorgeous they're kind of this almost like this like soft pastel um palette with uh with a couple of bold colors but like Titania's hair like the different reds in her hair changes colors there's this really awesome uh exchange that she has with Luke Cage and uh Iron Fist and Luke Cage is sporting a run the jewels t-shirt which is just hysterical, and uh, like Iron Fist throws throws one of his patented dragon punches, and Titan is just like, yeah, no, and she catches <laughs> it. And he's like, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> and how she did is that she just she has the power, but she also has the drive, and she's done putting up with everybody's crap and and all the judgment and everything. And uh, it's cool, you know, in a in a. In a time where we don't have the superior foes of Spider-Man anymore, and for people that enjoyed that kind of tone and, and just that setup for a book, um, this looks like it could kind of uh, take its place if you're in the mood for that kind of thing. And um, I just had a lot of fun with it. I've read it like three times, and uh, I can't I can't wait to see. I have no idea who the rest of the team are. Like they introduce everybody by name, and I'm like, I don't know any of you, mm-hmm. and that's fine because the book has already proven itself in tone and in art, and it's funny and it's interesting. So I just I can't wait to see what we get from the other characters, and who knows, maybe this will turn out to be a really really awesome series. All right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was Illuminati number one, uh, Joshua Williamson, Marvel Comics. All right. Cool. Bob. Well, I have a number one putting the band together issue, too. Yeah. There's a, a whole theme. And it's the Ultimates number one, Al Ewing, Kenneth Rocafort with Dan Brown on colors and Joe Sabino on letters. Now, this has not much to do with the old Ultimates, except it has a name. 
what it is, though, this is all the things that Al Ewing's new Avengers hasn't been across the first two issues, which I'm about to actually dump already. This is a grand cosmic level story, but you got tons of relatable regular characters in each. This team has been assembled by the Black Panther and Dr. Adam Brashear, the Blue Marvel, in the wake of all the Secret Wars stuff. We still don't know how that all ended, but they're concerned about... Problems of cosmic scope before they become an issue for Earth and the wider universe. So, so there's some mighty Avengers involved because on board we have Monica Rambeau, uh, Spectrum, Ms. America Chavez, and Carol Danvers. And there might be another member as they're on a recruiting binge as, as we end the issue. Now, what you get is really quick and easy access to each character. They all get a spotlight moment in the individual chapters. You get uh, Monica and... Uh, America, they're paired off to deal with a really bizarre entity on some wacky planet that we, I don't think we've ever seen before, but it is a really crazy-looking thing that Kenneth Roker has put out there. And Carol and Adam are an away team dealing with some guard dogs, for some someone who they're trying to recruit who may not be so happy with that. But I don't... Yeah. He's on the cover. I'll leave it at that. So, which... <laughs> So well, I don't want to spoil it, but it's, someone's going to. It's Galactus. It's, okay? it's like it's me with Old Man Logan. Yes, I was he's, like, Whoa, he's there. cool. And I closed the cover and I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's, I did the same thing. Whoops. Uh, you get great interactions between the characters, really snappy dialogue, which were the hallmarks of his work on Mighty Avengers, which I really, really loved so much. The art is really grand scale. It's really large and big and angular, interesting layouts. Very... Carmine Infantino-esque in places. He used to draw The Flash and Adam Strange back in the old days. He was actually the publisher of DC for a long time. I really dug this book, and I had actually, I was a little trepidatious going into it, considering what New Avengers has been for two. It's just, it, how is this new universe going to play out? This is all the things that Mighty Avengers was, and it's amped up the action a little bit. So it's gone cosmic, but still it's humorous. It's earth level as well. So heck of a lot of fun. And since talking about where the new universe is, there's a two page explanation of what the, yeah, sort of, it's not really, it's not an explanation of what's going on. It's an explanation of, of, our the status, science our status quo in the science of the science. I'm I'm big comic book science. Yeah. Comic book science. Yeah. Um, we have extra atoms and things, and yes. it changes the way things are. So yes. how that works, we'll find out as we go. But The Ultimate's number one by Al Ewing and Kenneth Roquefort. So interesting thing, I loved, it, I loved it as well, by the way. I think it's a great yeah, it's great awesome. book. For me, it's the it's the best of the team books so mm-hmm. far. Uh, I really, really liked it a lot. Uh, I like the character lineup a lot, and it's funny because Al Ewing's other book has a couple of other young Avengers in it, and I was really hopeful for that because I love... You know, Wiccan and, and stuff like that. Yeah. That book is not faring so well. But here we we have America Chavez, and she's one of my kind of my favorite characters, and and treated really really well here, and thrown in the spotlight. And 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 really they focus on how powerful she is as a character, which I really really like. The funny thing is about Kenneth Rockefort, right? Is Kenneth Rockefort is the guy who did that Teen Titans cover that everybody was yes. about. He did Teen Titans for the, uh, he's still doing it, I think, right now. Um, he's about to move off of it very, very soon. Um, and it's interesting how um, situation 
and, and context can change the way you perceive someone's art in, in, in a lot of ways. You know, I've seen him do, he, he did some work on Superman before he did, he did Teen Titans and then Teen Titans. I've seen both of those books and both of them. I felt like his art wasn't right for the book in which he was drawing. And here I feel like his art is perfect for the book in which he's drawing really for the first time. I've really seen his stuff in, in a book. It feels right to me. And I loved how he drew the women. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I know Stephanie, it's, it was, this was very close. This was on your list. Um, yeah. of, of the things you'd read and, and liked. So I, I want to throw it over to you. Uh, what was it about it that, that you liked so much? Well, like I, I wrote a couple notes when I was reading everything. And the first thing that I really noticed, again, like I, I was really tired last night when I was uh, going through comics. But um, when I'm in that mode, the first thing I notice is the art and if that stands out to me. And the art was so superb. Um, I loved how he drew Captain America. And there's this good one panel where um, uh, Monica Rambeau is looking at uh, Miss America. And she's like, I don't know exactly what she says, but she's like, God, she's fabulous. Yeah. And she's, she knows it. Yep, yep. And um, in that one panel where she says, and she knows it, there's just a panel of um, America Chavez grinning. <laughs> and it's like the most perfect, subtle panel. Um, it wouldn't work with just any creator, any artist, but it works so well here. And it's these little subtle things that I think made this book stand out to me and make it really unique and really pack that extra punch. Um, you know, the scene where Captain Marvel goes binary. Um, it's beautiful. And I know that's in part four um, due to the colorist as well. But, you know, these panels are just like stunning and... I that was the first thing that really kind of impacted me was um, that. And then, you know, secondly, I love this team. I love who they've put together for this. Um, I I haven't had a ton of um, time with America Chavez as a character. I've only read a little bit of Young Avengers, um, but she just was so kick ass in this. And. Um, it made me want to go and read more Young Avengers. And I feel like at the core of a good comic, they not only want to make you read more of that uh, series, but they want to make you more of whatever else um, these characters have been in before. I think that's like the mark of a really great comic. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Steve, you have any other thoughts about The Ultimates? Uh, I think a lot of it was said. I just really, really love the team. I, I think the the artwork is spectacular, like Stephanie was saying. Uh, it was very dense. Yeah, it was very. It dense. was really dense. Like I, I, I felt like I was reading something. Like they're dealing with cosmic level problems, right? I felt like I was reading a cosmic level problem yeah. book. Uh, really, really just smooth presentation. Uh, like Steph said, this the team that they've put together. It's just awesome seeing these characters on the same pages as one another in the way that they've been brought together, I think is awesome. I can't wait to see more stuff in the Black Panther and kind of the the last member or the last character that they bring into this book at the end. I'm just wondering how he's going to be a part of everything and whether it's going to be, you know, bring him on to the team or, or, or what. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. And that, that, that alone would get me to buy a second issue, but really... 
Um, it's been one of the best Marvel number ones that I've seen since they started this relaunch. Yeah, and then they could do like the Beastie Boys can do a revamp of Intergalactic and make it Intergalactus <laughs> for this team, and it can be like their theme music when they're you know throwing down. I, I can never get that twenty seconds of my life back that you just <laughs> took away from me by saying that statement. Now I have it. You're welcome. In my head. <laughs> Rock it out. Uh, the sense I get is that not that he's going to join the team. My sense is that there's an issue that he has, and he doesn't even know he has the issue, and, and they're there to solve it. What if he's the Hannibal Lecter of the Ultimates? I don't think so, because that's not really Galactus's jam. This is a new universe. I now. know, but still, he's like a you know when he is sort of a quote-unquote good guy it, it's not in that capacity they can't you can't control him you can't like keep him locked down <laughs> well, they just devour a world you offer him something really good to eat maybe maybe did you see that uh they i think it's it was today some uh, some put an image of the silver surfer number two variant cover that's coming out that when they relaunch the series yeah. and it's by chip zadarsky no, and it's it. it's a, it's a huge galactus head and he looks like he's like chicken pox and he's sticking out his tongue, and the Silver Surfer is like using his the board as a tongue depressor, and he's like looking at the black his <laughs> oh mouth. Oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> it was very cool. It's a very cool cover. So yeah, the Ultimates number one, very very strong start. One of those books where it it sort of turned into exactly what I was hoping it it would be, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Yeah. Nice thing to happen. It hasn't happened with all of the books that have launched here, and it's nice that this one did. Um, I hope hope that people buy it because it's it's very very good. So for me. Okay. Uh, my, my book of the week is Superman American Alien, number one. Um, this is by Max Landis, uh, who is a screenwriter, wrote Chronicle and uh, American Ultra. Yep. And he's the son of Jonathan Landis, uh, who, of course, is very famous director. I just watched American Ultra again last night mm. with uh, Lauren and Brendan. They loved cool. it. Uh, and uh, I'm never going to say this person's name right, who is the colorist, but it's Alex Gumares. Uh, is the colorist with John Workman on letters. Uh, and uh, so the the whole, I, first, before I talk about what happens in this issue or what I felt about this issue, the idea of Superman American Alien is a seven-part miniseries, everyone written by Landis, but each with a different artist. And it's meant to sort of just pick out little vignettes in Superman's life and just tell stories about them. Some of the stories are going to be very sweet. Some of the stories are going to be darker. Some of the stories he he says in his interview in the back, which is in the back, I think, of most of the DC books mm-hmm. this month, that some of the, there's going to be a sexy stories as well. I don't know what that's going to mean. But the, the the lineup of artists is pretty awesome. Jock, Jai Lee, Tommy Lee Edwards, Nick Dragata, Francis Manipal, Joel Jones, Jonathan Case, and Ryan Sook are all doing wow. uh, issues of, of the book. And this first... You know, I, I don't. I didn't do a lot of reading about it. I know that he, Max Landis has obviously made a name for himself outside of screenwriting, talking about Superman in different ways on the internet, right? So he did that Death and Return of Superman video, which we all watched and, and we talked about on this show years ago. Uh, he wrote an essay called Regarding Clark as well, which I think was like near the end after Man of Steel had come out, stuff like that. And he had been sort of brewing and talking about Superman stories for a very long time. And... You know, he had I'd seen him do interviews about this book, but I had sort of avoided them, and I wasn't really sure if I was going to pick it up or not. And because of that, I didn't really have a clear idea of what it was. And so, this first issue is, like I said, Nick Dragata is is the artist on this. And this first issue, I opened it up, and we have Clark as a little boy, and it's very much about just Clark sort of finding his powers for the first time or the, the power of flight more specifically he, he's starting to hover and, and and 
and he can't get down sometimes and he's he's causing destruction in some points and he he's having a lot of trouble he's also having trouble coming to grips with the fact with who he is uh where he comes from and the fact that he is an alien so there's one of the one of the, the biggest scenes in the in the in the book actually is is uh clark and lana and a, a couple of his friends seeing et at a, at a drive-in and the the way they're sort of talking about the alien it really gets to him uh and he sort of has this really sort of bad moment and he kind of flies up in the air and fly, and hits the ground again and people think it was like a gas leak or or something and somebody comes up to him and, and he sort of yells at them and he, he breaks something and he storms away and you know jonathan is obviously very angry at him this is going to give a picture of what, what the book is like um and uh he said, you know, he says, I couldn't help it, dad. Like, I didn't mean to do it. He's like that. He said, that's not what you're in trouble for. He says, you can't break things whenever they, whenever, whenever you want to. That's what a jerk does. That's what he <laughs> says to him. And later in the issue, Clark is talking and he's saying, you know, he's starting to come, he's starting to feel bad about what he did. And he, um, and he says, I'm just going to paraphrase here. He says, when you break something, you're not just breaking the thing. You're hurting every single person whoever worked on that thing. And there are these beautiful little moments, these sweet moments with Clark and his father. And it's really a great balance of fatherly love and, and not wanting his, his son to be discovered or be hurt, but also wanting to support and push him and letting him be himself. Um, and, and there's just great lines throughout the, the entire thing. Um, so, you know, he, he, he was telling Clark to be normal and, uh, you know, and Clark is sort of saying, well, what if I can't control it? What if I'm going to be weird? And he goes, and finally, Jonathan says, who needs normal? Maybe weird is better. And, yeah. and, the, and that point on the other helps him try to learn to use his powers. And the book is really not, it's, it's not a book that's made up of big plot points or, you know, this is what defined Clark here or there. And that's what kind of Max Lannis's mission statement is. We read interviews with him. It's not to tell seven stories that after you read all seven, you go, these are the big moments in Clark's life that made him who he is. Uh, they're just to tell sort of one-off small stories about moments in Clark's life, whether it be him fighting or him just being a, a, a being Clark or him not him, him being Superman. But th- this first issue, especially, I think if you love Superman and you love the idea of Superman and you you love the values and what makes your man great. I think this first issue, regardless of, I don't know what the next seven are going to be. They're all going to be you know, separate from each other. Uh, regardless of that, I think this issue is a great one to get. It just really moved me and made me remember why I loved Superman so much. And it's beautiful to look at. I mean, the, the Nick Dragata art is gorgeous. Uh, as well as the Alex Gumer's uh, colors are also gorgeous. There's just a great, wistfulness when there needs to be a wistfulness and then there's a a a dangerous feeling when there needs to be a dangerous feeling it all just works so well panel layouts are interesting um it's just overall a a great great issue um and i can't recommend it enough to anybody if they're interested in superman checking out this this book sold it's really good but look starting with that title right away Mm -hmm. you can tell that he's Addressing something that needs to be when you talk about this character, he is someone who lands in Kansas. He's raised by you know an American farm family, mm-hmm. and it's those intrinsic values of that period and those people that influence everything he's going to do. And those people who've written the character well, whether it's as far back as you want to go with Siegel and Schuster or Mark Wade or John mm-hmm. Byrne or anybody else, it's that thing there. And it's his dad making sure that he's going to grow up the right way with the right values. Yeah. 
that's that sounds like a killer right there. Yeah, it, yeah. it is. It is a killer first issue. It really took me by surprise. It was one of the last books that I bought this week. I wasn't really sure if I was going to read it or not, and when I picked it up. I'm so glad I did because it was far and away my my favorite book of of the week. Um, really, really great stuff. I I had it in my hands and I hesitated on it because um, I do like Mike uh, Mike Max Landis's stuff. Um, but it was just like it was just another book too many when the pile was already big enough, so I put it back. But uh, now that I have uh, my iPad, that might be my first digital purchase. Very nice. Yeah. Very, very nice. Did anyone off off topic watch Supergirl last night? No, I'm a couple of episodes behind okay. on, on Supergirl. Now, was Livewire the was Livewire yeah, last yeah, night? They, right? they shifted episodes. Okay. Oh, so, that's right, because of what happened right. in Paris, yes. So, yes, you, and Livewire is introduced in the same, she has the same basic origin in terms of powers and so on that from the animated series and from the action book that Gail Simone and John Byrne did. And it was a lot of fun. You get a lot of cat stuff that's very interesting. I heard good cat stuff in this, yeah. one, this one. Yeah, it's been really solid. The ratings are sinking some, but also it was the biggest opening of any show this year. Mm-hmm. So they weren't going to go up from there. <laughs> so, I mean, it's the usual. You have to look at it in, yeah. in relation to other shows. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a tough thing because... Ratings for TV are very tough to gauge at this point because it, the way people watch TV is just so so different. Right. Yeah. What are the day after ratings and the video on demand ratings mm-hmm. and everything else? Yeah. yeah. Um, if the show is, is not doing enough to continue, it will be canceled. That's yeah. You know, that, that's yes. what, yeah. what will happen. It happens with TV all the time. Uh, speaking of shows, really quick, did are you caught up on the Flash? I am. That last episode was fucking awesome. Woo! <laughs> I haven't watched any of this season. Just by I won't say. I love that show. Yeah, that villain. Zoom is great. Yes. He is really great. I was a little bit nervous, not nervous, a little bit upset because it was another, like, this is the bad version of The Flash. You know, he's a fast guy. He could run really, you know, but he's a bad one. Uh, But, I mean, their their fight in, if you can even call it that, in in the last episode was, I was like, whoa, this is trouble. (laughs) He's just so brutal. Yeah, he's very brutal. You know, it's Tony Todd doing the voice, right? No, I did not. Yeah. The candy man. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I love the design oh, yeah. of him. I love the way that his mouth is kind of like you've seen it in horror movies where like their mouths aren't sewn shut, but when they open them, it's almost like Scarecrow-esque. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what you would call it. I don't know like, either, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just like it's, I don't want to say tendrils because that, that implies almost like tentacle like stuff. But it's no, just, but it's like he, it's like it's like with Scarecrow. He has like that sack on his face. Yeah, and he like cuts enough so he can move his mouth, but it's not, it's not an opening. You right. know, it, it's like stretching the fibers. It's like around if somebody it. like sewed your mouth shut and mm-hmm. you only got a couple of the stitches out. Yeah, and you're like pulling and and you can see the. Yeah, it's pretty gruesome, but it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, oh I my was... god! Speaking of horror movies. Bob, really quickly. I watched The Howling. Email me. Talk about it later. Okay. 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 <laughs> I watched The Faculty. Faculty? Oh my God. I love that movie. That movie's yeah. awesome. Let's keep talking about The Flash. All right. <laughs> um, ever since the, uh, I mean, people have seen it, the King Shark yeah. thing. Um, I mean, I've I've liked The Flash from the beginning, but seeing the way that that show in particular has really stepped up, it's like even just its effects. Mm-hmm. It's characters between Gorilla Grodd and King Shark and now Zoom. They're doing things effects-wise digitally that I have yet to – are now seeing in a comic book show 
where it looks just it looks just as good as anything else that's up on on the big screen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will totally agree with you there. Uh, and I think that the characters they've introduced, I think Patty's been really Patty's great. Patty's amazing. Patty's great. And uh, there's other Flash family characters that are. I'm not going to spoil anything because Stephanie hasn't seen the, the show, but there are other Flash family characters named and hinted at, which I'm very excited about. Um, and again, because Stephanie, this is a bit of a it's I don't want to say it because if people haven't seen the show yet and they've watched the first season, haven't watched the second season, but a certain character who is back yes, uh, is great. The way they're using them is great. So uh, really good stuff. This show's been great. And Arrow has been really good too. I'm one behind on that. The latest episode was really good. I really, again, so talking about villains, using that Damian Dark villain, he's been great. It's felt more like season two with that really great villain that's sort of at the center of, of everything that everything's rotating mm-hmm. around. Uh, Neil McDonough is playing the, the villain, ah. and he's really, really good. This so is the third or fourth season. Fourth season. Jeez. Wow. Fourth season. Yeah. Yeah. We got some mystical stuff now in, 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 the, in, in the mix, and I, it's soon. It's either this week or next week is the crossover with Flash and Arrow, and they're going to introduce... Hawkman and Hawk Girl and I saw a still of that looked pretty good. Yeah, all that stuff. So I've been watching Gotham. I know you have. We're not going to talk about Gotham. Oh, wow, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> what, what, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I I, I will admit I'm en- I'm enjoying it. I am. I'm enjoying it. Um, You're fired. Get out of here. Go. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, it's. I said good day, sir. It's. <laughs> It's the same. It's the same show. It's not like like they did like a radical change from season one to season two. But uh, I think I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Um, I've been talking about a lot about villains tonight. This is like you know the villains will mm-hmm. rise. Um, they really ended up getting my attention in the end with um, the, the Jerome character that was supposed to be the Joker, mm-hmm. and um, he by the third by the third episode of them focusing on him. I was like, I was actually really sold on the idea. I was like, this guy is pretty demented. Like, he's pretty good, and um, so it got my attention from there. And I, there are, they're planting the seeds for little things to happen down the line. And I'm starting to. It's not that they don't make it obvious enough what they're doing, but um, I don't know. the 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 pacing of it is a little bit better this season. You're starting to see characters become who they are in and in, in their end game uh particularly the riddler is like starting to lose it and um the the mayoral character that's running around i can't remember his name right now for the life of me um but i have a feeling that he might be part of a specific group of people that have been around gotham for a long time oh yes yeah. so they, they they tease that stuff right yeah, yeah. And i just like i'm i'm enjoying it enough to keep going with it to see how those things play out mm-hmm. like is that really the way that you're going to go or is it going to be like a different group because mm-hmm. you just don't want to do it right so um i still think the setup of jim gordon meeting everyone before batman does is weird but i've kind of grown to accept that that is what the show is mm-hmm. and uh i like some of, i like some of the performances some of them are really over the top where they're just chewing the scenery and i enjoy that stuff to an extent so it's one of those, uh, you know, sweet tooth shows of mine. Cool. After watching the last episode era with Constantine was on, yeah, I really want. I was like, I'm gonna watch Constantine. Like, Constantine was good. If I want to, f- nowhere is it available to stream what? legally, even if I want to pay for it. Not Hulu or because nope. it's an NBC it's, thing. It, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's on. It's on Hulu. It's on a Netflix. I can't. I can't buy it on Amazon. It starts slow, oh. but it gets. Yeah. it gets much. Better. I don't know what's up with that. 
I don't even know if it's out on Blu-ray or DVD yet. So I need to get iZombie. I don't think so. No. Yeah, iZombie. The first season is all Netflix, but uh, I had to catch up with that because that, that that episodes I watched were really good. I just Speaking started Netflix. Uh, oh, go ahead. Bob. Isn't Jessica Jones this? Week? It's on Friday. So yeah. Um, oh my God. I know Bob. Obviously, you don't have Netflix, yeah. so you can't do it. But uh, you you can be done by Tuesday. You think? Because uh, Jessica Jones is on. Oh yeah, Friday. Okay. Just, do you remember my daredevil? I do. I do the same thing, but I just want to make sure. Yeah. Oh no, that's that's the that's the plan. I want to clear weekend. it. So Stephanie, what about you? Do you think you can you can be done with Jessica Jones by Tuesday? Ooh, maybe. Bob, if you want to come over to my place, maybe. I'm more than happy <laughs> to host you. Thirteen hour marathon. Yeah, let's do it. I'll do it. <laughs> we'll can you do it over multiple days? See the look on Bob. Yeah, yeah, just like that. Thirteen <laughs> no, hours. No, we could. For no, me. we could spread it out over the weekend. Yeah. Um. Okay, but Sebi, Leah, let me know because yeah. if, if you can't do it, then I gotta find someone else that can do it. Okay. All right. Have you mm-hmm. fired real quick yeah. before we get off of TV? Have yes. you checked out Aziz Ansari's new show? I watched the first episode, Master of None. Yeah. It was awesome. Yes. I I, I watched the first episode and that's it, but I really really enjoyed it. I'm three episodes in. The second episode episode, um, I I got really teary and like very. I ended up having kind of like not a bad day because of it. But it got me thinking really deep and really hard about a couple of things. Um, and I did not expect that from mm-hmm. it. And I'm enjoying the show. But for, for that, to, to have had the rest of my day go the way that it did and been where I was mentally, and the, the trigger was that show, my hat is is off to him. Mm-hmm. It was excellent. Yeah, the first episode was really good. I, I, yeah. I love him. I think he's so, he's so funny uh, and, and such a great writer. So. It's really clever. It's really clever. The 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 humor in it is uh, is right up my alley. I'm really enjoying it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I think all all I have to do is move on to the the shared book of the week. It's that time. It's yeah. that time. It's Wolf, Volume One: Blood and Magic. Yeah. Did Steve, we all read it? Yeah. Steve, why don't awesome. you, why don't you uh, explain all right. what Wolf is? So uh, Wolf, uh, Volume One, as Bobby said, is from Image Comics. And I am going to break out the book to give you the creative team. Uh, it is written by Alesh Kott, art by Matt Taylor, colors by Lee Lowridge, and letters by Clayton Cowles, and designer Tom Muller. Um, all right, so I made myself some notes because this is uh, a little bit of a thing to read in my experience. Uh, so we have a, I guess, a real world that there's supernatural elements to it that coexist mm-hmm. uh, with people. I don't know how much I want to give away as to how that works. Right. Maybe I'll maybe I'll wait a little bit. But essentially, uh, what you have is there are people. There are there are things like vampires. There are things like werewolves, and there are supernatural beings that exist with us in our world. Uh, the hook is that by one way or another, there is an explanation. You can't see them. Um, there happens to be people that can see through this thing. And what um, the book focuses on is Agent Wolf, who is uh, an immortal, but he's also a heightened empath of sorts. He's able to kind of see beyond the veil and see even more than like the supernatural beasts of the world can see themselves. And um, he can like, he can feel he could feel things before they happen. He can gain emotions and knowledge from people. And the biggest he's one of the biggest threats to the supernatural community because he can't die as far as anyone knows. 
So no secret is safe. He kind of knows the ins and outs of the world, and he's kind of this storied uh, specter of a per- of a person within the community. Uh, like you mentioned his name, and people become fearful. So he's got a situation where his brother has actually been uh, put away into the special jail. And uh, Wolf feels that, I don't know if he feels that he was wrongfully accused or not, but regardless, he wants to get him out. He wants to pay his fines and get him out of jail and get him to come home and try to just live a normal life. So he's pretty much uh, playing the detective bit and getting taking on any job that he can. And uh, within the last couple of weeks, he's noticed that his jobs are kind of coming together and and one thing is kind of leading to another and it's all leading him to this uh young 13 year old girl whose name funnily enough i thought anyway was uh anita christ who may be the bringer of the end of days and his job uh is more or less to be her guardian for a time until he can figure out what to do with her and it turns out that he needs her to solve his cases. She's at, she's at the heart of everything, more or less. Like, how do you, how do you meet the Antichrist and then send them on their way, you know, and be like, I can't, I can't keep an eye on you. This, you know, this person's going to watch you instead. There is also, I will add a, um, really interesting character by the name of Freddie, who is, uh, Wolf's kind of, uh, best friend slash informant, and he has a very unique pedigree in that he's kind of a demigod descendant of Cthulhu. And he walks around with uh, Cthulhu tendrils on his face mm-hmm. and speaks in kind of this uh, like poetic um, – what's the word I'm looking for with uh, – like everything, everything rhymes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. He, he speaks yeah. in a poetic fashion, he, like a like like a V for Vendetta. Yeah, yeah, kind he's, of thing. He's like speaking in verse almost. When right, he's right. That's the what I'm demon looking for. Yes. from the old DC. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, so yeah, I mean that's pretty much the setup uh, for Wolf Volume One, and uh, you're pretty much just on a on a mission, getting to know these characters and 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 finding out that there's a whole other world that we can't see. And if somebody doesn't keep an eye on it and and keep things in order, um, it has the potential to start leaking out into our own, causing chaos. And uh, who cares? Because the world might end anyway. It's true. So, so just so you know, we lost Stephanie. Her internet went out. Oh no! Yeah, she she didn't hear like the last like ten minutes of us talking before, and she te- I saw a text from her. And she can't get it back on. So. She knew we were going to go on a shared book. Of yeah, the week. yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of here. Forget this. Yeah, I'm out, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that way we don't do a call on her when she's not there. I just want to make sure we all knew. Seth's gone right now. So. Very clever, Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> Very clever. Uh, so, yeah, Wolf, uh, do you want me or Bob to go first? Oh, we thought about it. I'll go ahead. Go ahead. No, you pick. pick who do you want to go? Uh, Bob. Okay. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> um,. I liked it, but didn't love it. I thought it had a nice start, very little, little sort of different. Where you, you, you meet our lead character, and he's basically in a straitjacket, on fire, singing Robert Johnson songs, rolling down a hill. <laughs> I mean, that's a good beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's visual and striking and whatever. And it, it seems awfully familiar to me. There, there are a lot of pieces from a lot of different places. Uh, the it's certainly. 
as a as a werewolf detective, it's Hannibal King from Blade, who is a vampire detective. Mm. There's a it was an HBO movie by Dan O'Bannon called Cast a Deadly Spell many years ago. It's about a world where all this magic stuff exists, and there's one private detective who decides, I'm not doing that. His name is Howard Lovecraft, which is a lot of fun. And we get into that whole Julian Moore, David Warner, and the big things are going to come at the end, sort of as we come into here. Because the old ones are involved, Freddie Cathonic, who's definitely mm-hmm. Cthulhu-esque, yes. at the very least, and is quoting Yogg-Sothoth, which is a lot of fun. It's those bits and pieces. Fatal has got some of the shared DNA. And that's not to say you can't take familiar elements and do something really special of with course. it. Because nothing's creating a vacuum anymore. Mm-hmm. It all comes from somewhere. I, I just never connected with the lead character enough. Mm-hmm. And I just was... So then there's, you could say, okay, if you give me tons of mood, Fatal is that way. The mood is so overwhelming, that carries you through until you eventually get to know everyone. As we were saying, when we were doing this, we're going to do four-issue thing instead of a one. And it was, okay, now we'll get more of it. As it ended, I did sort of want to read more to see where the story's going to go after that because I, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now we're getting to what I want to see. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the middle seemed like fillery as we got to what's the Santa Ana wins and this is going to happen and then nothing happens for like 35 pages. Mm-hmm. And then it does and it sort of was this lulls and peaks and valleys for me a little bit. Yeah, uh, for me... There's things I, I, I do like about it, and a lot of stuff you were saying, Baba, I, I agree with you. It has like some Constantine in, in its blood as oh, yeah. well, that this kind of character who can see these things that other people can't see. He's a magician uh, with a, a checkered past, that sort of aspect. And I, and I generally like the idea of real-world settings with sort of this you know, magical underbelly that, that's pinning there where, you know, there are vampires living in this, they're, they're, the vampires are your landlords. And, and, you know, this, 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 this big, this rich guy who, who runs half of the town is really, he's making deals with the devil, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I like all that kind of stuff quite a bit. The, the stuff in, in Wolf that doesn't work for me is sort of the same stuff that doesn't work for me a lot with Alesh Kot's other writing, which is, I feel like, uh, the, the obfuscation of the plot gets in the way of, of the story because there's a lot of stuff in here. Like there's a lot of double crossy stuff. There's a lot of who's working with who, and this person's working with this person, but I'm a double cross this person to do this. And then we're going to do this to do that. And none of it is especially clear about, you know, mm. not, not, not just motivations. I, I like sometimes character motivations, not being on the face can be great. The fact that even when they do the double cross, I don't quite understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that was when I was I, I felt like I was missing things from from the ins and outs of what the story was about. Um, I, I think that the the character you mentioned, the the, the Freddy Freddy, what's his last name? Cathonic. Cathonic. Yeah. I just call him Freddy Cthulhu the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. Uh, he he was my favorite character by far in the in the in the, whole, in the whole entire story. He was the one character where I felt like I had I actually sort of gained a bit of a connection with, with that character and a bit of empathy for, for that character and, and, and his plight. It's a great babysitter, too. He's a great babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that aspect. You know, that's the thing I like about it, too. I like the fact that, like, this guy's a werewolf, this guy has a Cthulhu face, but he's just, you know, he's being forced to watch this girl because yeah. that's just what you have to do when you're, this guy has to go out and do something. And, and that, play video games. And play video <laughs> games. I like that stuff. I like when you take the 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 supernatural and, and clash it so strongly with the natural. Um, I, I thought the villain's were pretty good. You know, I thought that again, it's an idea that we've seen a lot of times before, but I, I liked that stuff. 
but the way that like the the ghost of the grandmother and the little girl and all that stuff all how it all links together i felt like wasn't wasn't we weren't given enough it wasn't concrete enough it wasn't yeah. concrete enough and yeah. th- that's the problem with it overall in fact that you feel a lot's bubbling under the surface with Wolf, right? There's a lot going on. The thing with his brother, you know, the, the whatever wherever he came from, whatever whatever bad shit he's seen throughout his life, you get a big sense that he's a lot of character there. You don't get a lot of it here. You get a lot of hints of it, which would be fine if we got a lot with other characters. If we had another character to sort of take us through, like if Anita was a, more of a character and less of sort of a device, we would have – it would be okay that yeah. that – that Wolf isn't isn't that forthcoming because that could be for later. We have to say something for later, but because we don't get anything, it it was there was no there wasn't a lot of forward propulsion through the through the issues for me. I will say I think the last issue was very good. I think it definitely has a good feeling of propulsion to it. But when it ended, I felt cheated because okay. because I, I, I feel like I don't even get to see the end of this story. You know, like this this story that we've been going since issue one doesn't resolve an issue four. Mm-hmm. In, in, really, you know, it's like. You read the you read volume one, but really volume one is half of what you know probably of what the the whole this whole first story is going to be. I don't mind like end the story, give us a cliffhanger for what's going to come next, but I feel like I got cut off right in the middle of what I wanted mm-hmm. to see. So th- there was issues there for me. Um, Would you have read more if it was there for you to read? Yeah, I mean definitely if it was if it was in this volume, if this mm-hmm. was a six issue volume instead of a four issue volume, yeah, totally. Yeah. This is definitely not something I could read monthly. Yeah. Um, but this is what I'll say. Too. I have all these criticisms of it, but but my it's actually a lot. It's very actually very similar in the way I feel about it to the way I feel about the empty when we did the empty, mm-hmm. which is that there's a lot I don't like about it, but I wanted to. I felt myself wanting to know what happened. I mm-hmm. wanted to see what the end was going to be, uh, and that I think speaks to the the there's some intricacies and interesting things about the world design and the way it's laid out that I wanted to see where it went, but I wasn't invested in the characters. I was invested yeah. in just sort of the plot details of what, 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 what was pushing forward. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't really care about Wolf. You know, I was like, okay, like you're obviously not too good of, you don't seem like that good of a, of a person. Like, and I don't know your brother. I don't know what he did. I don't know why he's in jail. So I don't have a, a you know, a feeling to bring it back. What we were talking about in TV lit before, you know, um, dig in in arrow yeah like he wants to like find out who killed his brother and it's a really big thing and he does, he does some shitty stuff to figure out who killed his brother i hate Diggle right now but anyway but for me diggle is a character that i've known for four seasons of the show so when he does shitty stuff i'm like that's a that's a bad thing to do but like i know you're a good person and i know that there's a reason why you're doing what you're doing yeah and I, you don't get that in, in in this you don't get an idea of who these people are so that stopped me from connecting with a lot with what was going on there, um, I I, have, I want to talk about the R two, but I want to see what see what you thought of the story in general. Um, I liked it. I did. I um I felt like it took a little while to get started. Um, I know Bob, you said from the very beginning it was kind of interesting. I thought it was a little slow uh, to start. I think there was a lot of things to kind of set up about the world. I think that that's a that's one of the things I took away from this was that it was more for me uh like an exercise in building like the laws and the rules of this world that they, that they live in that exists within this fiction more so than the characters mm-hmm. sometimes that works sometimes 
It doesn't. This time it worked for me. Might not work for everybody, but I thought the there was one one uh, instance that happens in the first issue is um, like I'm like I'm wondering this dude's on fire now he's he's talking to law enforcement and this old woman's being all you know uh, the hags being cryptic and she's saying these weird things to him, but then he has this interaction with this guy on uh, a subway. And he's he's basically looking over at um, this couple that's standing on the subway, and this guy cons uh, a woman into giving him like sixty bucks. It's petty cash, like as far as robberies go. But he walks over to him and he, he basically tells him, you know, who he is and what he can do, and it immediately strikes fear into um, the person trying to get the money. And it turns out that they're not um, they're like a street uh, street magician hypnotist like they're not even like the real deal supernatural Mm -hmm. um tele you know um telekinesis type Mm -hmm. thing where they can influence you and Mm -hmm. do so i'm like okay so not only are we dealing with supernatural but we're almost dealing with like there might be wannabes uh in this world and there are people that are trying to pass themselves off as these supernatural beings with you know parlor tricks so i thought that was interesting that now anybody that i meet i kind of have to see like which side of the of the line are they on and um i i I agree that not not everything was fulfilling as far as like um plot devices i thought the thing with the brother was kind of a a a moot point for me because i again i don't know what he did i don't know why he's there uh i know you want him to live a normal life but what the hell like what is your idea of a normal life Mm -hmm. in this um but more so than than other things uh I'm curious about some of the stuff that I think is coming later. And I got, I got that feeling from it, even within the first issue that this was going to be a thing where there wasn't going to be closure on all of the threads and that this, it feels bigger than just a volume one. Like he leaves a couple of things open that are obviously going to take some explaining. Some of those things might even be an entire arc worth mm-hmm. the next four issues could be dealing with like his times in Iraq, are we going to start to you know go into flashback territory, where he he says that he was one way before Iraq, but he came back changed. If he's an immortal, like what did Iraq change about you? Did it just change? Did it change your outlook about your your power set? Um, there was mentioning of like his ex. Her name is Heidi. She has something to do with like everything that's happening. I want to know more about her. Um, so it was really like, it was almost like getting a party-sized appetizer, and but the meal never came. <laughs> a tray of pizza rolls yeah. instead of dinner. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I dig Aleshkot. I like his writing. I don't like everything that he's done, but um, I found this to be kind of a, like being familiar with his work and being familiar with kind of his tone and his delivery and, and, and following him online and just knowing a little bit of what he's about. This seems very experimental Mm -hmm. for him in that it's a little mutiny, a little like superhero-y in a way, but like the darker side of things, like a justice league, dark territory type thing. And, um, even though I called it, I still really enjoyed, um, kind of the reveal within the last couple of pages about one of our characters and it was painfully obvious mm-hmm. from the start, but it was still cool to have it hidden the way it was for so long and to have it be revealed the way that it was. And also the, the artistry 
for that character in particular, once they undergo the change, I just thought was really awesome and harkened back to a lot of old horror movies that I really like. And, um, you know, like there's a, there's a lot of pieces here to tell a good series of stories. Like this is something I would pick up and trade. I don't think I would pick this up in individual issues, but I would definitely, definitely pick up uh, a volume two and maybe even give this one uh, a reread which I also um, felt, because I read this today uh, before coming to the show, that um, there's certain books that I walk away from that I know myself and I know the way that I kind of take in information. And I, I closed it and I said, you know, I feel decent about this, but I bet that if I read it again, I would walk away from it liking it even more and having more confidence in the ins and outs of what was happening. Because I thought it, it did get a little convoluted at times. Some of the Some of the information dumps or the story dumps were were sizable and i was kind of getting a little bit lost as to how people were connected and why all of a sudden this this grandma's ghost is involved and how did that mm -hmm. how did that have to do with wolf and i don't remember you mentioning anything about needing to do this thing that all of a sudden is so important to the story yeah. when did that happen yeah so you know interesting it was meant to be an exercise in shared book of the week. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we got. <laughs> so mission accomplished. Yeah. I, You're I will welcome. say, uh, <laughs> Matt, Matt Taylor's art for me is, is, is also sort of hit or miss. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I love it. Sometimes I think it's, it's the details great and, and the visuals are striking. And then sometimes I feel like it's like a, a figure on a black background and I lose all sense of, space and time and, and blocking and there there was a couple scenes where i just I, I just lost track of where characters were because some characters looked too much alike and yeah. i was i was like is this this nope. person talking or is this the other person talking and i don't know oh, this person wasn't there but and now uh, who are the you know uh, the, i got but we're looking at eyes in some cases yeah and they're exactly they're the yeah. same the colors are different but the eyes are drawn the same so yeah. law enforcement just... and the villains in particular yeah. yes were exactly very yeah exactly so those those times I, I got a little lost in it but there are times like the santa Ana wind thing you're talking about is gorgeous great the opening where he's on fire looks fantastic the way he draws freddie really cool mm -hmm. Um, the, the, the scene on the roof was pretty awesome. The scene on the roof is great, and the scene at the end is, is, is it looks really great as well. That's what I mean. There's there's a balancing act for me with, with the art, but I feel like sometimes it just doesn't get the job done when it comes to those sort of moment to moment things. The big mo the big stuff, great, mm -hmm. but but the sort of like just basic storytelling stuff, I felt like it gets a little bit muddled. I almost wonder what it would look like with a different colorist. Because Lee Lowridge kind of does this thing where he he sticks with a very limited color palette mm -hmm. throughout, like, whole panels of stuff. Like, everything will be drenched in, you know, lilac or, or sea foam or aqua right. or whatever. Um, like, a lot of that happens in um, Deadly Class. Right. But because that, that book is so kinetic and there's so much like violence and action and things are constantly moving and it's supposed to be disorienting it works. Right. Yeah. Um, but for this, it kind of comes off a little bit as like minimalist mm -hmm. or, or because of the colors on the art makes it minimalist. Yeah. Which in some cases could be very beautiful, but in other cases can kind of remove a lot of the life from the world in which mm -hmm. you're, you're inhabiting. And when I think of a world where supernatural mixes with reality, 
I just I picture I picture it being a little bit more alive and a little bit more mysterious. Mm-hmm. See, the art style is sort of look, it's all two dimensional, but it's sort of flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know that you could really amp up the color in like yeah. a J.H. Williams sort of way without it working against it. Because yeah, the ways. pencils, the pencils aren't super complicated as far as like the the detail of what's going on in and around. You know, it, mm-hmm. the, sometimes the faces are very detailed, but and other times they're not. So it, I, I don't think. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how closely they all. Obviously, they probably worked very closely together because mm-hmm. it's it's an indie book. But I don't, you know, I don't know what that that whole process yeah. was like. Uh, the funny thing you're thing you're saying about like you know how it, it, I can definitely get behind a book that is telling like, a big sweeping story. Yeah. But the, there are times where I just feel like he's wasting time. Like that whole scene with the landlords, like w- mm. w- when he goes to the landlords and and the like the vampire who's always on her period thing. I'm <laughs> like, what? What's the point of this? That you this has nothing to do with like the the overall story at all, right? You know, other than the fact that there's like that, the, like there's like a theme of menstruation in it, it, over the the they they seem like they're gonna make something of that, and then there's yeah, not really nothing. anything yeah. made of it. Right. So those those are the things where I'm like, okay, like I, you can meander if you want, but the problem is the 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 plot is such a high wire act of like relationships and and. And placements that when the when you meander, it loses the thread even more for me. And there mm-hmm. are times where it, it seems like it's trying to be a little bit funny, and then it's trying to be very serious. And I just there was like a schizophrenic nature to the book sometimes that I just he's that's, a very schizophrenic writer. I know, I know, yeah. and, I, and I and I realize that I'm like addressing a lot of things that are the reason people love him as well. But for me, that was the stuff that, and it's always been the stuff that that puts me off of of his writing mm-hmm. is that I feel like he seems like a super intelligent like really creative guy. I feel like sometimes that, that intelligence gets in the way of him telling a really good story mm-hmm. for me as, as a reader. Uh, and, and that, that's the main takeaway I have from it. But I like the world that, that he's creating. I like that idea of this world that, that yeah. he's creating. Um, yeah. For Friday, I never have to read another word balloon from Mr. Simmons and his speech impediment. Oh yeah. I know that was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was Hard to get. Through. Didn't yeah. have a good time with that. No, <laughs> I no, fell, I fell into it after out, a little while. Took me out of every panel he was. Oh, in. it's a shame. Yeah, I couldn't because I had to work to understand what he was yeah. saying. It was it was rough at first, and then I. It's kind of that thing where like you see one of those internet memes where they jumble like one letter mm-hmm. around in a word, but your brain still mm-hmm. reads it normally. Um, eventually, that just came to be the case for me, and I was able to get through his stuff pretty quickly. But it was it was a. Uh, an exercise in patience, yeah. for sure. <laughs> but it would be if 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 somebody was talking to you at length like that, and you had to <laughs> decipher. That's true, yeah, yeah. you know. But there are ways to do it where I. There's a better way to do it. I think he should have had an interpreter. Um, it it could have been. <laughs> yeah, Tweety Bird. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's always tough when people have like impediments and like that. I mean, if you ever read it, it's a very difficult book to read sometimes because of... Yeah. I mean I've said it I've said it on the show a bunch of times. I love different dialects in yeah. in, in things. Yeah, I know. I know it's not a dialect, but I I'm always interested when I'm presented with a character that talks differently from other characters that I've read in between Freddie uh Chthonic and that dude. It was like here's two interesting characters that I actually have to pay attention and kind of break it down. And one of them, it was very musical and rhythmic and the other was just like, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. So 
I, I, I enjoy the, uh, the challenge. All right. Uh, we had one person write in uh, okay. using hashtag TCBOTW. Jesse Bowden says, It's amazing that something so gritty can feel so fresh. The setting of Wolf feels uniquely paranormal and classically L.A. Additionally, I think it's a great it's great to see a sci-fi story with a black male protagonist. Not enough examples of this in any media. Huh. Yeah. So there you go. Very positive. I like it. Bob brought printouts of solicits. Because I, is it my pick? It is your pick. Well. It is your pick. I I have... I had a problem. I, I'm, I'm, as we come up to it, I will decide. Oh, man. <laughs> because we have a bunch of number ones, and across some of the indie spectrum, there was a lot of number sixes and fives, and mm. I, so we like to try to get something that's new, mm-hmm. but there really wasn't much of that mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. I could, that I could find. So I'm torn. We've got three Marvel number ones that are all relaunches with okay. all new circumstances for the characters one very same per- creative teams <laughs> one very particularly mm-hmm. and yeah all, yeah all yeah all, all, all the same mm-hmm. and one start of a new art and an interesting image series all okay. of these picks very bob <laughs> yes yes let's hear them so, let's hear, run, run through them okay spider woman number one where she is now after the secret wars and she's still a private investigator, but now she's apparently nine months pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so it's still Dennis Hopeless, Javier Rodriguez, which was l- a lot of fun once we got past the Spider Island stuff. Mm-hmm. Was it Spider Island? No, no, no it was uh, Spider Verse. Spider Verse. See, I'm already confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once Javier Rodriguez took it, over the book, really, it just took huge leaps. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm looking forward to that as well. There's Ms. Marvel number one, of course, uh, with a uh, lovely Cliff Chang cover. And. She's back and officially Avenger. Yep, the dream to end all dreams has happened for Kamala. She's toe-to-toe with the best of the best, but will being one of Earth's mightiest heroes be everything she imagined? Could be fun. Could be fun. Jersey City's still there, apparently. (laughs) We'll have to ask Joey about that. Then there's Mighty Thor, number one. Uh, When Dr. Jane Foster, whoops, spoiler alert, lifts the (laughs) mystic Henry (laughs) Mjolnir, she's reformed into the goddess of thunder. Her enemies are many, as Asgard descends further into chaos and war threatens to spread throughout the Ten Realms. Yet her greatest battle will be against a far more personal foe, the cancer that is killing her mortal form. All right. So there's that. And then there's Pretty Deadly number six, which is the start of the new arc. Mm. This time around, we are set in World War I. Some of the same characters, Death-based Ginny is riding through the battlefields and the trenches of, of Europe to see how, let's see, the survivors of the battle against death enter a new century with a fresh fate. Face fresh violence. Say that three times fast, and I haven't even had anything to drink. And the horrors of war. So, do we have any votes, or this is all on me? Here's what I'll say. Um, I would, I would eliminate Ms. Marvel because of of those books. I think it, we're going to have the least to talk about. Yes. Um, because it, I feel like the other Ms. Marvel last days thing just ended like. A month ago. Yeah. <laughs> and it just doesn't seem like it, it's going to be tackling a lot of new new stuff compared to what the old one. The old one is great, so it doesn't matter. It shouldn't, doesn't have to be. But the other solicits that you read seem to have more to discuss. Obviously, the Spider-Woman thing, very, a very interesting dynamic. The the whole idea of the cancer with Jane is, is a very interesting dynamic mm-hmm. as well. Um, and obviously, there's Pretty Deadly. Uh, I get I cons- I concerned about doing Pretty Deadly, not because I don't think people can understand it, Whatever, that's fine. I mean, it's sort of new arc. Uh, it's set in a different time period, mm-hmm. but I feel like 
if any of us say anything bad about it, Bob is going to punch us in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I would have no. to read the first arc over again okay. to read. So, right. so the, that yeah. the other thing about that is the other one for a lot of people read better as five issues Collected. than one yes. as the mysteries. So we could end up in that situation of saying, Oh, this was great, but right. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So let's put that to the bottom. Yes. <laughs> so Thor or spider woman, Steve, I'm going to say this. I think both of them are great. However, what's for the price that we're going to end up paying for the number one, the cover to Mighty Thor, I'm assuming that it folds out. It's a wraparound cover. Is positively one of the greatest things I have ever seen, ever. Hard to tell in the black and white. Yeah, yeah. the black and white doesn't help. Yeah. But it's it's beautiful and it's gorgeous. And if I'm going to be giving my money over, that's a that's quite the thing to own and to have that number one. I'm buying it digitally, so I don't care about that. Well, aren't you just special? <laughs> <laughs> um. It's it's. I don't I mean, care. We're not gonna talk about the cover of the book, though. I wanted to. We're gonna I, be fun to talk about. You're gonna I, buy both of them anyway. What are you talking about? I might. You're gonna buy both you of might. them. I am. So, yeah, so who cares? <laughs> well, then what you asked so... me. Not, we mean like. I'm thinking about our listeners. But which Bobby. one, yeah. content-wise, do you think is more interesting to talk well, about? Well, the Spider Woman thing is, I think, the most interesting because yeah. are so, we going to learn about how she became nine months pregnant out of nowhere? Right. How much time has passed? Who's the daddy? Yeah. The only thing I'm, I'm concerned about Spider Woman is I feel like it's going to be like just like a lot of fun. Yeah. And we're going to be like, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's all we have to ah, So then what do we do? I don't know. So I'm, I'm just. I'm Actually, more, I could, no, we don't need to worry about it. It's it comes down to Bob. Bob. Bob's going to pick pretty deadly. <laughs> Mighty Thor number one. Okay. Mighty Thor number one. Sounds good. Um, and I'll talk about all the other ones anyway. Yeah, I know. I'm very excited <laughs> to A, see Jane. Thor again because it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, very excited about that, and very excited to see some Russell Dowderman art again. Yeah, because he's the best. You can always turn your iPad sideways. I know it's not going to be impressive as opening it up though. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. Oh god, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, I remember when they released that like a few months ago, right? Yeah. They, that, that, yeah. That's it's a gorgeous. It is positively gorgeous. Yeah. All right, so Mighty Thor uh, number one, which is out next week from Marvel Comics. Uh, we're also so use hashtag TCBOTW to, to talk about that with us. Um, we're also going to, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about Jessica Jones next week. We'll do the same thing we do we did for Daredevil and the same thing we do for um, you know movie reviews, which we'll mm-hmm. do a non-spoiler section where we'll talk about overall thoughts, and then we'll do a big spoiler section on, on the show. Uh, very, very excited about that. It should be awesome to, ch- to check out. I haven't seen anything since that first teaser trailer. Um you didn't watch like the trailer trailer that came out? I think out? I watched the break. But no, no, we didn't we discuss it on the show? Yeah, we did. Okay, so yeah, yeah I watched that, but I haven't seen anything yeah. beyond that. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. I, I, I've stayed away from everything else. Very cool. Very excited. I'm going to have to watch a little bit of it like Friday morning before I go, <laughs> before, uh, before I go to work because, uh, yeah, I'm super excited to check that out. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us personally, I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve? I am at dead underscore anchorous. Uh, Stephanie's at hello cookie. And I'm still at Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Uh, of course, go to TalkingComicBooks.com for all of the reviews, uh, columns, and our bevy of podcasts, talking movies. They're doing a James Bond marathon, not marathon, but James Bond section right now. They reviewed Spectre, and then they just did From Russia with Love. Oh, I like that one. 
and uh, we don't know what they're doing next yet. That maybe might be, might be Skyfall, maybe something else. It's whoever uh, they, they didn't decide yet. Um, talking games, obviously, we've got a lot of games to talk about. We mentioned some of them at the, at the top: Fallout, Tomb Raider, um, Battlefront. And more gravity rush, gravity rush <laughs> HD. Um, lots of lots of stuff is coming out right now. There's too many games to play that, and not enough time to play them in. No, there isn't. Yeah, there isn't. I'm juggling. I'm juggling three games right now. Yeah, I'm 58 percent done with Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Oh, cool. I love it. Nice. It's so good. Nice. Um, so sitting for that, talking shoujo, of course, the misfits. They talked about the goddamned in depth. Actually, I think uh, uh, unless it's misfits. And obviously, you're gonna hear more follow-up discussion if you if you listen to that. Uh, talking Valiant with Adam Shaw as well. Um, I think I hit all of them, I just in so. a different order than I usually do them. That's okay. <laughs> um, change it up. Change it up, definitely. Um, yeah. And I don't think Bob, do you have anything you wanted to talk about before we go? Of course no, not, because I asked you. <laughs> if I hadn't asked you, there would have been something at the at the very end, most assuredly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve. See you next week. Bob. Good night. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.